This is Coda Radio, episode 447 for January 3rd, 2022. Hello, friend, and welcome into Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show. Taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. Well, my name is Chris, and joining us now in the future, which is now the present, it is our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, you got to open with a nice cough. That's... <laughs> you know, if people that are new, they would think that uh, that's not the way you start a show, but us pros, uh-huh. we, we've learned. We've learned that's how you start a show. In the age of COVID, you want a nice hacking cough to really kick things off. The only thing that we could have done better is I could have asked the listener to turn it up first. You know, that would have been... That hadn't been better. Amazing. <laughs> so I made it out of the woods. Congratulations. What does civilization feel like? Nice. Although it got really s- snowed in. The night I left, a whole nother wave of snow came in. So I would have been stuck probably until about right now if I had made it out there. I planned to get out Tuesday. You know, we did the show. I was going to hunker down, work on getting the RV out, and then I was going to leave Tuesday after Linux Unplugged because, you know, I got a show to do. Get out there, and I can't bring my slides in. We knock the snow off. We realize what's been happening is the snow would melt a little bit, probably because slides are generating heat and the sun's coming down on it. So it would melt the snow a little bit. And then the sun, because it's like winter solstice, wouldn't last very long. It'd be off the slide and it would freeze up immediately. And it, would getting, it was getting thicker and thicker and thicker every day, but we didn't realize this was happening. So it took us hours to clear these icebergs off of each one of the slides before we could bring them in. I mean, I'm talking up there with, with a wind chill, it's probably seven degrees hacking away at these icebergs on top of our slides. Try not to like rip the slide topper, which is made of cloth and clear these. And we didn't actually make it out of there until Thursday, Thursday afternoon. And then just within hours of getting out of there, another snows, another snowstorm came in. It was, uh, it was touch and go. We, uh, but we made it and we did take some damage. Our, our water filtration system, the filter expanded and cracked the housing. Ugh. I should have thought of that. But, you know, I was just in survival mode and I didn't even think to go out there and like remove the filters. I should have. And there may be other damage that we don't know about yet because we can't pressurize the system until the filters are fixed. But we got her drying out and parked now. So we made it. But enough about the woods. I want to hear about your week. Sounds like you were having some trippy dreams while I was trying to dig out from the ice. You really shouldn't read Linux Twitter and then go to sleep. <laughs> I would just take it back one notch and just say, you really shouldn't read Linux Twitter. Oh, so I had a dream where I had sold my company and was kind of wandering in the woods. Did it feel good or was it scary? The dream, it, it was scary, but that part felt good. It's, it's, it started off as a dream and turned into, well, let's just see where we go here. I got a call from Carl Rochell of System76. How's Carl? He's good. He, he wanted me to come help them with a secret project. I said, okay. I thought, great. It's going to be like a laptop. The secret project, Chris, was he's like, you're the only person who can do this job. And then he started frantically drawing brackets on his whiteboard over <laughs> and over. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And the project was porting Pop OS's UI layer to GNU Stepped. Sure. He has a dream. I like this, actually. It was horrific. Horrific. So I felt the need to DM Carl this. 
Okay. <laughs> Poor Carl. You know, I just, I don't know if Carl's like me, but most of the time, I don't want to hear anyone's dream. I can't stand hearing people's dreams. I hate it too. It gives me almost near like a mild panic attack just when people go on about their dreams. I mean, this one's great, but I'm just picturing if Carl's one of those guys, right? <laughs> this DM comes rolling in. Needless to say, his response basically is summed up as, huh, that's kind of crazy. As he, you know, if we were in person, he would have very slowly but purposefully backed away. So, that is how 2022 is starting for me. Objective-C, <laughs> GNU Step, and Linux. That seems like a lot. Honestly, sounds like a fantasy. I love this. I mean, he brings you in. You know they had some good stuff going on there with that GNU Step. Like, it was going to be good times. Maybe you could even do something with that BIOS or Haiku. You know, that'd really be cooking with gas. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Chris is like, let's make dreams come true. I saw you were uh, setting up a machine, too, for the kid over the holiday. And you're going Linux? It's still a work in progress. Yeah, he has a Raspberry Pi, but I'm looking to get him a little more power. But to be clear, he has an older Raspberry Pi. I'm not sure what makes sense. So I remember the dark old days. Was it Edubuntu or Kidbuntu? Yeah, there was both. There was Edubuntu was the one I had the most experience with, but yeah. Is that still a thing? It doesn't look like it's super maintained. So I just reloaded my son's laptop this weekend. Mm. Even though I don't know if it's a great distribution for him specifically, Although he's pretty flexible, I decided to go with Fedora 35 because that's what I'm running on my laptop. What's nice about that is when he wants to do something in Minecraft, like he wants to install Optifine or he wants to do some sort of mod thing, I kind of treat my machine as like the test go machine. And I get it working on my laptop and then I go do it on his laptop if it's something I've never done before. And that's why I like having him the same OS. I mean, I guess I'm kind of like if you're if you're finding like pop is working for you, you might consider it for for him too. I, Although I kind of also saw, I saw the suggestions of Endless, and I can see the logic in that as well. Right. That'd be good kid OS as well. But when it comes to just getting things working, it's nice if it's the same thing you're using. Well, that's not a bad idea. So that would be Snow Leopard. <laughs> hmm. Well, I'm so what? Boom. Uh, you know, you know, that is true, though. Like, you could always get him a used Mac. There is that option. They're not bad machines if he doesn't need graphics. Yeah, I do have an old mini laying around that I'm I'm kind of tempted just to lock the hell up down out of Mac OS. The problem with a new Mac is, I don't know, it's just painful to update them and be sad as each update makes them worse. It's not a great kid OS. I mean, I know that sounds silly, but the thing that's that's nice about Linux is when Dylan turns his laptop on and maybe he hasn't used it for three or four days. It's not trying to do 100 things in the background. It's not trying to update 15 different applications and connect to a cloud service. At absolute worst, it's going to refresh the package cache. And it's going to do that for like 45 seconds. Well, it's also like the strategy tax that you like to talk about. He actually has an iPad mini. Well, has, right? He doesn't have like unfettered access to it. But because I won't set up all the iCloud stuff on it, and I just have it locked down with parental controls. <laughs> yeah. And I won't set up Face ID because the whole point is he can't use it without permission, right? It constantly makes me re-authenticate him with his Apple ID because he has one of those child Apple IDs. I finally actually figured it out this morning that the reason it does that is it's it's trying to, I won't say trick, but as soon as you re-authenticate, it's like iCloud configuration. It's like desperate to like pull you into that ecosystem. Yeah, and it has it'll do like little un unread count badges too, like in your settings. Yeah, I know. I give him the iPad because his school requires either that or you. I think you could get a Chromebook or something. But they have like an app that they use for their homework, 
in kindergarten, mind you, which I think is crazy, but whatever. And I just put it on guided access so we can't do anything other than that app. But every time now, it's like you have to reauthenticate. Like I went so as far as to change the password because at first I thought, is this like some sort of, you know, someone's trying to like get into his iCloud account or whatever for some reason. Like something's getting tripped. Yeah. Right. Some like, but no, it's, it's, it's that it wants me to set up Face ID in particular. And it also seems to want me to set up iCloud syncing, which is weird because he has no other devices. <laughs> yeah, they have both some of the best family support. I mean, I got to give them credit for that. And some of the most frustrating with weird gotchas, regardless of which way you go. So I've got one kid account that isn't actually a kid account because it was too restricted and couldn't do what I needed to do, which then means I have all these other gotchas. And then all my other kid accounts, they're set to the correct age, but th there's a ton of stuff that I can't do with those accounts. And it's, it's in a bad way. And yet it's better than just about any other large tech companies, family sharing, family, whatever plan. Back to Pop! OS for a second and your desktop. David wrote in and his email kind of made me realize I had missed an opportunity chatting with you about your VM setup. Now, I know that the VMware solution is working well for you, and this isn't an attempt to get you to try something else. However, if you have like another system, like another Linux box, and you want to do emulation on that, and you don't want another copy of VMware or whatever your situation might be, David reminded me that I should encourage you to check out QuickMU, which is a project that was started by our buddy, Martin Wimpress. And it is a really kick-ass fast solution to get a very modern virtualization system up and running with a lot of different options, including Mac OS on Linux. You're up and going, especially if you're on an Ubuntu-based system or even one of the other popular Linux distros. It's like three, five minutes of a setup, and then you can get a VM up and going in just a couple of minutes, and it's quick, it's accelerated, it's, it's really well done. They're creating a uh, Flutter-based UI to sit on top of it. But QuickMU itself is a command line tool uh, that gives you like prompts and numbers and options to choose from to get a VM system up and going. So this is my duty. I'm fulfilling my duty now by letting you know about QuickMU and suggesting that perhaps check it out sometime in the future. I'll put a link in the notes. Yeah, probably on the next install, I'll give it a go. I mean, like you said, VM workstation, VMware rather workstation is working really well. So I'm just not going to touch that. Yeah, when you got something like that, it's so nice. It's like on the uh, the MacBook for me, Parallels, using a Vert.io for Linux accelerated graphics is oh, just, I, I'm so hooked on that sauce now. But on Linux, they've done such great work on QuickMU. So this is also a kind of me recommending it to those of you out in the audience. It's so easy to get going, number one. And number two, like I've been talking about with Parallels, you're going to get to use some of that Vert.io acceleration. They're doing file sharing pass-throughs. So you can copy files. It supports uh, VertGL, USB device pass-through, smart card pass-through. For those of you that work in enterprises that need smart card, it's such an awesome, awesome project. And uh, our buddy Wimpy streams it when he works on it sometimes as well. So I'll have a link to that in the show notes. And if you're on Linux right now and you're looking for a really great go-to virtualization solution, or my God, if you're using VirtualBox, please go give this a look. Yeah, don't, don't. VirtualBox, I mean, it's great. It's open source, but it's maybe the least performant option you have. Yeah, and the UI is of an era. 
that has passed. <laughs> it gets it's functional, but quick MU is so great. Hey, hang on, Chris. I'm I have to reopen NetBeans IDE real fast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I wanted to mention on the show just as a bit of email follow up from like when we were like talking about keyboards forever ago. I finally received my super expensive ultimate hacking keyboard. This is just to jog everyone's memory out there. It's a keyboard. I'll have a link in the show notes, or you can just go to ultimatehackingkeyboard.com. It's a keyboard that you can split. It's an ergonomic keyboard that you can split, and then it has a cloth-bound cord between the two, like a like an RJ11, that connects the two sides. And it lights up with LED lights, and then it's kind of well-known, too, because it has a wood palm rest on each side, which uh, is gorgeous. It comes in two boxes, and then it has like a little LED mode indicator at the top in the corner. And they've done things like they've replaced one of the space bars with, because it's split like the launches. It's replaced one the left space bar with a mod key. And it's replaced the caps lock with a different mod key. It has all these modes that you go into. Like if you want arrow keys, you got to go into a mode. F keys or all kinds of things. Really escape even, you have to go into a mode. But it's... So beautiful on the table, I have to really say, because the wood armrests that attach to it really class it up. And then it's got a really kind of nice, elegant white backlight to it. And the keycaps shine through with the light. And that's super nice. It's probably the nicest keyboard I've ever seen. I mean, it's quite nice. I didn't get any of the modules, but it also supports modules that when you split it, you can then pop in modules in that open area, like a track point module or a trackball or touchpad. I could see that being nice in a really cramped space. And then like the launch and other keyboards out there, it comes with a cross-platform, what they call agent, to set up the keys, modify what they do, move things around. And of course, I had to move things around and I had to remap it using the software. That aspect of it is not nearly as nice as the launch software. Took me a while just to kind of figure out how to wrap my head around how to just get it to apply to the profile I was using and all that. Where with the launch, it's just totally self-evident. If you're cool with a keyboard that you're going to have to tweak a little bit out of the box to get it working for you, and you're going to have to like relearn how to use space and arrow keys, which is a real ball like when you're like in the middle of an email you know, jam and all of a sudden you can't move around. That's a big ask right there. You're going to have to relearn you know, the space bar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's those things about it, but it truly is a pleasure to type on. They really nailed the typing experience. They have what they call their best-in-class double-shot PBT keycaps. I don't know what that means, but they are nice. They feel good on the fingers. You can hot-swap. It comes with a little tool to pull them out. Uh, they have different customization options you can do, and they have, of course, all the source codes up on their GitHub account for a bunch of it. All in all, I think it's probably the nicest keyboard that I can't use. And I, it's a shame because I, I spent a pretty penny on it. I actually ordered it before the launch, I believe, or maybe just after. I don't recall. It had been so long that I'm ashamed to admit I forgot I ordered it until it arrived. And I was like, oh, right. I like these ergonomic split keyboards a lot. If System76 launched a split ergonomic launch keyboard, I'd order one. For my RSI and the little feet that they bring with it so you can position it in the right space, you know, in the right area for your hands, however it works best for your wrists, it's really nice for that. I really wish it had arrow keys because I could live with the mod bar being a space because I could just turn that back into a space bar with the software. But the thing that I can't change back is that I have 
30 years of instinct of when I need to go modify something in a paragraph, my hand just moves to where the arrow keys are before I've even realized I need to use the arrow keys. It's not unlearnable, but I have to ask myself why. That automatic function I do is very efficient. It makes me move around very quick. Why would I want to change that? I don't want to change that. It's a silly thing, but I need arrow keys. Yeah. I'm not sold on this keyboard. <laughs> we did get a lot of recommendations. I think, you know, that was part of it. And it's so beautiful. I mean, really, like if you wanted a machine that you weren't, you didn't use very often for anything serious, but maybe it was like in a, in a public space or in an office somewhere. It's nice, especially with the wood armrests. Looks classy. But yeah, unfortunately for me, the ultimate hacking keyboard falls short in part, not just because of the arrow keys, because in time I could probably learn to hold down mod and then, you know, put my hands over O, K and L and, you know, but it's like, you got to find that sometimes on the keyboard. Like it takes a second to find O, K and L. I can find WASDA pretty quick, but OK and L takes a little bit longer. The arrow keys, I can do it without even looking. I can run my hand across the keyboard and I immediately know when I'm on the arrow keys. It's just so efficient. I can't give that up. Unfortunately, but um, I love it. I don't know if I'm going to keep it. I may be willing to uh, sell it on the cheap to somebody if they'd like to give it a go. I haven't really decided, but you can email me, Chris, at jupiterbroadcasting.com if you want to make an offer. <laughs> I just love looking at it. I walk in my office and I look down and I go, damn, that looks cool. <laughs> you know, I just don't want to give it up. I like it too much. Leno.com slash coder. Go there to get $100 in 60 day credit on a new account. And you go there to keep Coder Radio going. You know, Linode has been our backend infrastructure for our projects for the last couple of years, but you should really take advantage of this $100 because it gives you an opportunity to really try the service. It really lets you explore it and try it out. It's not like just 10 bucks, right? It's a hundred bucks. And Linode is a service we enthusiastically endorse here on the show. They started in 2003 as one of the very first companies in cloud computing. Now, 18 years later, they're the largest independent open cloud provider in the world with 11 global data centers serving nearly a million customers. But their mission has remained unchanged. Their focus, stronger and more resolute than ever, making cloud computing simple, affordable and accessible to all. And it really has led to the best in class experience. That's really why we host everything there. It's the performance. It's the support. It's the range of options. It's 11 data centers. It's the fact they are their own ISP, all that stuff. But I know some of you have never deployed a server before, or it's not something you do on the regular. They make it really simple to get started with some one-click deployments, too. And Linode has just added a whole bunch. I was just looking at a whole bunch of new stuff they've added that you can get up and going in just really seconds. I think NervousShare could be one that we use here at the network because we're already big fans of their S3 object storage over at Linode. And now that you can put the secure file sharing application that lets you collaborate with employees, partners, or vendors. It'll tie in with your Active Directory or G Suite or AWS or other single sign-on services you have. So you can easily integrate and manage it and then share files using Linode's object storage with a one-click app deployment. <laughs> it's just so great. Like you don't have to be like a total pro and DIY this thing if you don't want to. I mean, you can. You don't have to be. So go try it out. Linode.com slash coder. From the best development tools around, the best support, and a whole lot more. Go try it for yourself and see why I've been talking about it for a while and why I'm still such a big fan. Linode.com slash coder. Get $100 and support the show. Linode.com slash coder. 
we got a couple of predictions. Like, what is going to happen in 2022? As if we could guess. But I like where your head's at with some of these. So let's get them down on the record. And if we're lucky, maybe your positive vibes, man, will, like, go out into the universe, man, and, like, reach Tim Cook, man. Make this stuff happen. So I have two that are, that are one is a straight-up Apple one, one is tangentially an Apple one. Yeah, I suppose. I would say my first is that I think they're going to loosen up iPad OS. When I say loosen up, I don't actually mean significant tech- technical changes to the APIs. I mean, they're just going to fly in some legalized marijuana from Denver to Cupertino and have the review board chill the hell out. <laughs> I think they have to. I, I've been saying for years now that the iPad is a great machine. The problem with the iPad has less to do with the implementation of the APIs and the UI, though, of course, there are things that you know I'd love to see. But realistically, the biggest barrier before any of that is just the puritanical, this is not a computer, even though we run multi-million dollar TV commercials saying it's a computer uh, position of the review board. I, I like where you're at. Let me see if I got this. So you're thinking it's a unofficial laxing. They never have to go up on stage and say, iPadOS can now do this. It's just somebody ends up shipping an app that pushes the limits a little bit and people take notice and then more people start doing that. Yeah, basically. I mean, I think what's going to happen is we're going to have less non-BSC rejections, mostly because of the pressure they're facing, right? And some of the controversies. They need, I think, some marquee apps, particularly around AR, if they're going to make their push into the, you know, to the virtual or augmented reality markets. iPad seems like the most logical place for that in terms of professional work. They don't have to do much to do this, right? To satisfy this. And they've come closer than they've ever been. I think the big hiccup is going to be, what do they think the iPad is? And if you listen to their marketing, they think it's a computer. And that is basically that plus the pressure from the government. And let's not forget the good old EU who's always eager to bitch slap an American company, right? (laughs) I mean, by the way, the EU always slaps, but... They they hit as hard as my five year old. At least when the Americans, at least when we do it, we we take people out. Although we never do it because you know lizard people. Please don't comment on the lizard people thing. I, the EU. There she is. It's been so long. <laughs> no, but seriously, do. I mean, why not? It, it seems insane for them not to. And also, the difference between an iPad and a MacBook Air is ever so small these days. True. There's a lot to this. Here's the other thing to consider as well. You really, you kind of, you were touching on it there for a second, but I think Apple agrees with you. The iPad is an AR development machine. Sure is. They shipped the LiDAR sensor there first. I think that was their statement. They were positioning as, think of this as an AR development machine. I think there will be something they announce on stage in in regards to this. Okay. And I think you're right. There's no policy change. They're just going to be different kinds of apps start getting approved that haven't been approved before. I think you're right. And I think additionally, call me crazy. I think they're going to allow floating windows on iPad OS. Yep. Or at least tiling. I mean, they have ghetto tiling now, but yep. Yeah. But you know, when they introduced that quick note feature, that is a floating window on iPad OS. That's a floating, that's a floating, isn't it, isn't it just so? Almost, it's almost like the 80s are back. Yep. It's great. I could see that. I could, and then I could see them in down the road when they have a VR AR product. They, I could see them pushing iPad Pros 
as this is your professional AR development machine. And there's going to be edge cases where some reviewer does something stupid because people are human and they have lots and lots of reviewers, right? But I think they're going to go less from, we will approve you if we feel like it, to, no, we, with a big caveat now of do not fork with their 30% commission or 15%, depending on how you do it, right? As long as you're not trying to get away from paying Big Daddy Tim his cut, I think you're all right. As long as there isn't explicitly a rule against it, I think that's going to become the new standard. You know what it is? It's the normalization of the Play and the App Store. Like the Play Store has become more like the App Store, and the App Store is going to become more like the Play Store, and they're going to essentially kind of meet in the middle. Yeah, because and neither of them, it was obviously the Play Store is Google, neither of them can justify being arbitrary and capricious anymore. Because if they do that, her name's Elizabeth. She's from, is it Maine or Massachusetts? Her last name's Warren, and she's really, really eager to give them a nice slap. <laughs> yeah, it is within their best interest to sort of act in unison in regards to policies and moves in their app stores now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like AT&T and Verizon? I don't even want to touch it. Just going to leave it there. Just leave it there. You know it. Yeah. Um, all right. So that kind of leads into your uh, next area of pontification. Yeah. So I pretty much hinted at it, right? I think Congress in particular, and of course, our favorite, the EU. Oh, the sweet, sweet, idealistic EU is going to try to continue to cause trouble for the big tech five. Oh, yeah. I think the EU will get some blood out of them in terms of fines. But again, Apple literally in particular, couldn't care less. They just today are a $3 trillion company, according to The Verge. So, hey, <laughs> find me a couple million, right? It's a bar tap. But I think because these are not stupid people, with the weird exception of Facebook, whose business model is just so inherently evil that it's hard for them to seem less evil <laughs> too much, I, I think they're going to find ways to avoid basically any real regulation, right? So Apple, like I just said, loosen up, voluntarily allow certain kinds of out of app store purchases, but make it such a crappy experience that any sane, particularly indie developer or smaller developer would use your in-app purchase system because it it really doesn't make sense at a certain scale. Amazon, you know, don't maybe be so open about how hardcore you cloned pop sockets or those weird laptop stands, right? Like (laughs) maybe not have that email thread. Bezos is out, man. He's out. He knows where that's going. But I mean, it sounds like you're thinking the regulation and antitrust stuff, at least when it comes to the big tech companies, probably really has no teeth in 2022. It's not really, we're not seeing anything until 2023, perhaps. But that that puts it dangerously close to election politics as well. I think the one exception is actually going to be Apple because they are riding high on the MacBook Pro M1 train with developers in that community you're starting to convince me that maybe they will say something at WWDC or as I call it, zoom.app. <laughs> I know. Hey, at least they do a decent one. You got to give them credit. Theirs is the best. I, oh, I Sets the bar. I, I tuned into some of Ignite, which is Microsoft's. It was not very good. Yeah. Well, I've tuned into a lot of the free software community events. I can't even imagine because they're, they're using Og. So, you know, what's become the norm is just tons of downtime between speakers. Like they'll just put a standby screen up and it's okay that there's just like dead air for like an hour. It's and like as a remote viewer, it's a totally crap experience. The first time that happened to me, I actually thought my stream had crashed. <laughs> In the same vein as predictions, Mark Gurman predicted that Apple will com- complete their silicon transition in 2022 
and that the Mac Pro may have up to 40 CPU cores and 128 graphics cores and will be less expandable and customizable than the Intel. And he says uh, they're going to be all done with the Intel stuff by WWDC. That's so aggressive. I mean, he's usually pretty good, but damn, that's by June in five months. I could buy it if Apple wanted to get everything on the M1 version. And this is like, they're they're ready to start working on the M2 platform. And so they just want to get this transition done, perhaps. I mean, the software is in a really good place. So it's really just a matter of how big can they, and quick can they scale these things out, right? If that's true, they will have achieved something that nobody else has been able to achieve since the beginning of the industry, which is a basically seamless processor transition. Yeah. With the one exception of virtualizing Windows. But if you're Apple, you probably don't care that much. I kind of feel like they could already claim that. It would be impressive if they completed it for all of their line, though. That would be even more impressive. But what they've accomplished already, I think, should be studied. Because I find indications of it going back at least five or six years of them preparing the way for this transition to make this doable. It explains the crappy MacBooks and the Mac stagnating for so long because they were working on this. I don't think a lot of companies can stick to something like that, like Apple did. It was a complete ecosystem preparation from Xcode to the App Store to all of it. It's very well done. It was even better done than the PowerPC to Intel transition. Just the way Xcode compiles now, and it's been that way for four years because we talked about it on the show, Bytecode, right? It compiles all the versions of your app into Bytecode, which then when it goes through the App Store, gives you the right version. Seemed a little weird before. We thought it was about ARM64 versus ARM32. It's really about, you know... Intel versus ARM. Well, it was about both. Both, right? Well, it does it all. Yeah, yeah. And you could see them preparing it in macOS as well, you know, dropping 32-bit support a few versions ago and kind of having people eat the sandwiches early. That way, all of those really bad transitions were mostly done by the time the new silicon came. And that was really their most clever part. Several times they had their users eat a sandwich in order to make the transition down the road smoother. So the two did not get associated. Also, just a side note, before we get to resolutions, it also came out that Apple is giving talent bonuses up of up to $180,000 yes. to get staff to not flee to Meta. Are they really fleeing to Meta? That's what the reports say. But, you know, there's always been those reports that it's like a back and forth between Apple and Facebook. That's always been a thing they say. But they're doing them as uh, surprise, surprise stock packages that vest <laughs> over time. Of course. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's like 25% annually. So you got to stick around for at least four years business to get yeah. your money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then again, you know what? $180,000 of Apple stock. Uh, you could give me worse things than that. <laughs> Maybe my dream will come true. A partnership between Apple and GNU Step and System76 will port it. Resolutions. Let's talk it like I have a resolution for 2022. Uh, don't get stuck in Tucson and don't get stuck in the in a blizzard. <laughs> I feel like you should just avoid Tucson. Yeah, actually, legitimately, my resolution this year is to just not be in extreme weather conditions. Mm, good luck. It's rougher on you than you think. I am still, even though I got out on Thursday and today is Monday as we record. I'm still dehydrated from the experience. It's it's not great. <laughs> so that's my resolution. Can I make a recommendation? Yeah. Alkaline water. Oh, yeah. Okay. Trust me, in those hot Florida days, if I'm out in the yard, one glass of alkaline water does about as much, feels like it does, of like two or three. 
And it has electrolytes and minerals in it. So it wakes you. It's like Gatorade without all the sugar. It's got what my body needs. Got what you need. Nice. That's my resolution is to to try not to have to force myself into horrible, horrible environment. You know, it was not appreciating how serious those situations are and letting like all these other factors dictate where we went at what time. And, you know, just family scheduling and stuff like that, too. So smarter this year. I have two. The first is I would like to not re-implement Clippy again. I've done it several times. I think I need to stop. You personally? <laughs> Me personally. <laughs> okay. It's a big time sink because we all make fun of Clippy, but a modern Clippy that does a bunch of stuff is actually super, super complicated. And I also never like go in thinking I'm reinventing Clippy, but I always end there. <laughs> and it's such a waste of time, energy, and money that I just need to not do it. How do you know then? If you if you don't realize when you start out that all roads lead to Clippy, how do you not end up there? I have the goal. I don't have the means yet. So I will try to figure that out for you. The second is related. If I wasn't rewriting Clippy a hundred times, I might actually ship more. <laughs> So ship more is the other one. <laughs> ship more. I would like to ship. In particular, I would actually like to ship an iOS app this year just to get my hands dirty again. I've been doing the Swift challenge. Oh, sweet, sweet Xcode. I had to update Xcode, which was far more challenging than you would think. We were chatting about that. It takes time, even on these brand new fast systems. Just ridiculous. And also Swift compile times. Uh, they can humble an M1 pretty quickly. I can't even imagine what they would have been like on an old MacBook Air. Oh, uh, loud. <laughs> loud. <laughs> That's good. I like both those. I feel like if I were to think about business resolutions, mine would be to get regular about my sponsor game. Mm. Really, no one was interested in talking about sponsorship stuff in like the December time period. So like we're down to like one sponsor in a show. Not good. You know, not good. I mean, I'm glad we, I'm grateful we have members. Let me tell you jupiter.party to support the network it's just like something i have to get in a regular routine about uh, and i also i wouldn't say it's a resolution but i do know i'm gonna work at also trying to get better about regular swag and just general income diversification for the diversification for the whole network and not like trying to raise money and and all that kind of stuff in like some sort of really aggressive way but just to make sure we're good and safe we're you know 16 17 months now into being independent and i'd say the first 12 months were a real scramble just to kind of, well, not 12, but the first four or five months sure were. And then after that, it was like, okay, do we have this regular thing figured out? And what do we need to fine tune? And now I'm kind of looking at it and going, okay, how do I grow this thing? So that way, like I can start getting myself health insurance and that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of where I think I'll probably go in a business standpoint over 2022 is I, you know, I need to get that done. I'm turning 40 at the end of the month. My calculation was, is that I was probably young enough to risk it for a while, but I feel like at 40, it's time I start going in, getting things checked out and, you know, that kind of thing. Well, happy early birthday. Thank you. So that's my kind of goal over the years to just kind of figure out a way to diversify income streams a little bit and bring them up to a more regular basis. And then, then no, I can afford like the, whatever it's going to be the two grand or whatever. Cause you know, my, my wife's a diabetic, so yep. it's not cheap. <laughs> not nine seventy five a month, one guy and a five year old. It's probably not particularly great, I imagine. I don't know. I mean, maybe this is business stuff, but self employed like you, right? So it's Obamacare. Yeah, right. Well, the market, what did they renamed it? The shop market, or whatever they call it now. It's Obamacare, but yeah, I should get something. I can't rely on Bitcoin as my emergency fund. The price is dropping all the time. 
Although had we bought Bitcoin when it first came out, we not only we would be thriving on it, forget relying on it. You know, that's what a lot of this Web3 stuff is. is these guys that made a bunch of money and gals who made a bunch of money off of Bitcoin are now throwing it around because they're, they're millionaires. Oh. I guess good for them. I guess good for them. But it is the new year. And with that, there are software bugs. I just thought I'd mention this before we got out of here. Uh, a lot of Exchange admins were grappling with a bug in a malware scanning part of Exchange that prevented email sending because, because well, it became the year 2022. It's like, it's like the Y2K bug all over again. I'll have a link in the show notes for information about that. It was a bug in the FIPFS scanning service, which, man, I haven't used Exchange in so long. I don't, I don't even know. But it just came down to a software bug because they used init32 in there. So Exchange servers, you know, the ones that are on-premise uh, around the world, the older ones, just as the new year came. I don't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. I really don't mean to laugh for those of you who got bit by this, but it's kind of funny. This is one hell of a software bug. It's a little funny. It is a little yeah. funny. <laughs> Microsoft's got an emergency uh, fix they've issued. So it only took them a few days. Hey, listen, who needs email? Yeah, right. It's the holidays. You shouldn't be checking your email anyways. Microsoft was worried about everybody's work-life balance around the holidays. And if they told you about it, people would ask them to remove it. So they got to sneak it in like this. You should be thanking them. That's right. (laughs) All right, Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send people this week? Go to Alice.dev. Start off that new year by getting rid of that old data source database or crappy proprietary thing you're using. Amen to that. And thank you to our Coder QA team out there at CoderQA.co, keeping us going, even when the ad sales are down. And of course, you can support the whole network at Jupiter.party. Just for the price of two memberships, you get access to all the shows, including Linux Action News and every show completely ad-free. We do the Twitter thing occasionally as well, mostly for replies. You can find me at Chris Elias. He's at Dumanuko. The podcast is at Coder Radio Show. And the network is at Jupiter Signal for information on all the shows. Links to what we talk about today, coder.show slash 447. You'll find our RSS feed over there. Oh, I meant to say something controversial to get you guys emailing. Holidays mean the inbox goes dry. So you're back at work now. That means send us an email. What's going on? Give us something to talk about, coder.show slash contact. And last but not least, you can join us live on a Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern over at jblive.tv. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>